to Charmed Life, a radio show discussing spirituality, magic, and the unconditional love of the universe. Thanks for tuning in. And I'm your host, Trisha Carr. Thank you for joining me today. I have to just take a moment to tell you all how blessed I am to have you in my life. And I mean this in all time and space. If you are watching live right now, I can feel you. And if you're watching this in an archive or listening in an archive of any kind, I just want you to know that everything exists. Time is an illusion. We are just a sea of energy. And I can feel you right now. And I appreciate you so much. So if you are listening to a podcast or if you're watching this on my YouTube channel and you have a question that arises in your heart and then suddenly the next thing you know it's being answered by myself or my guest know that that was heard that's real that's you co-creating it too that's your magic and that is the kind of work that we're doing here so I really do appreciate you for that I appreciate your contribution to my heart to this plane to this universe I just want to take a moment to help you all feel your magic because it's beautiful. And that's what I'm talking about when I say magic, when I was in, in the show intro, when I say that it's about the unconditional love of the universe and magic. Well, that's when I say, you know, time is an illusion. Well, that because time is a condition. It's something that is a tool that we use that helps us to feel focused on this incarnated experience, which is a beautiful spiritual mission to be focused on this incarnated experience, but to be awake in it, to be awake in it and recognize that even the experience of being incarnated is pretty much just a tool. It is, as my guest says, it's a story that we're telling right now. Today's guest is quite an amazing mentor on this entire plane in this universe and I'm really excited to have her on and before I do welcome this person this amazing guest today I, I want to remind you that you can subscribe like share and comment and that also is contributing some deep intention and some energy to this program and also to sh- sharing light your light our light connecting and it is the it is doing work on this plane and so I would love it if you would do that it adds to the not only the literal algorithm of the <laughs> you know the how things work in the tech field but also in the algorithm of our hearts and minds and I want to say also hello to the Lightworkers Lab. Hi, Lightworkers Lab. I am a teacher and a mentor in the, excuse me, a teacher and a guide, I should say, in the Lightworkers Lab, which is an online spiritual community. You can find uh, the Lightworkers Lab and join for in- incredible free resources and powerful fellowship. And that you can find it by going to Facebook and searching the Lightworkers Lab. It is housed on Facebook. It is absolutely free and it's just an absolute dream come true. And we, we're having live programs there every single night, taking, you know, teaching and offering readings and different kinds of support. So I do hope you will find the Lightworkers Lab. And also, my website is trishacarcharm.com. I have many services, one-on-one services, classes, and other programs up there. So I invite you to join me in any of those places. I look forward to it. We can get to know each other, like really, literally, we get to know each other and I love it. So now, without further delay, I would love to welcome my guest today. She is a teacher and a mentor. She works with empaths, and she teaches us all about the Abundance Matrix. Welcome, Amanda Flaker. Can you hear me? Amanda? Hey. <laughs> hey. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> Great. How are you? Good. You look gorgeous. You look so beautiful. 
Thank you. I was thinking the same about you. <laughs> oh, thank you. Oh, we just gonna we just show up to love on each other. Jarvis, you look beautiful too. <laughs> this is my producer, Jarvis Essex. <laughs> well, Amanda, I just could not be any more thrilled to have you on today. The work you do is powerful. It's important. And like I said, you do talk about the abundance matrix. And while I was driving in today, just priming myself and listening to some of your work, and I heard, I heard come through from my guidance, she's an oracle. And I use the word prophet a lot. And it basically means similar to Oracle and you are an Oracle and you are really, really doing powerful work. So I thank you for that deeply. Thank you. <laughs> well, so let, uh, let's tell everyone about, if you don't mind, can you share with us some of your journey or, and the work that you're doing? Sure. Um, my journey kind of started and not pre-planned or pre-thought at all. I didn't have any clue that necessarily I would be doing this, although from the time I was really little, I always knew that I would be doing something big, and I interpret it in a much different way than it ended up turning out. Um, but I essentially, about probably six or seven, it was about seven years ago, eight years ago, I guess now, time just doesn't make sense to me anymore. <laughs> um, but I just had decided that I was so done with everything that I had been doing up to that point, like I, I just couldn't function in any sort of normal society, a normal world and all this sort of esoteric stuff in this internal world that I've had was always sort of hidden. I only shared it with a very few people, close friends. Um, and I was, I just, I felt like always there was this internal world inside of me that nobody knew. Even my closest friends, even my family didn't really fully see it. And it just got to the point where it didn't work anymore. I just, I couldn't, I felt like I was living a double life, but I also didn't know who I was. I just, I just, I was just really lost. And, and in some ways the most found that I've ever been, but what was happening is that I was just being taken out of the paradigm that I'd lived in my whole life. Even though I always knew that wasn't my paradigm, there, there was never any time in my life that I felt like it was me, but I just, I, I even think there was always such a deep sense of loneliness and because I couldn't show who I really was. I didn't feel like I could. Um, when I finally decided like, okay, I have something has to change because I, I honestly felt like I just wanted to not live anymore. It was just like, I, I, I have to die or I have to be true to who I am. There's really no other option for me. Mm -hmm. And so I just started being honest. I just started being honest about who I was. I started, I, I started a website. I started talking about it. I, and it was really difficult for me because I, I had no idea how deeply, um, how deeply I had internalized other people's beliefs and thoughts and, and how I had spent the majority of my life believing that it was my job to tease everyone and, and, and be what they need me to be. And truly wanted to make people happy. And so I would often in relationships just um, inform to whatever people wanted. What I And I could read people so well. I could read their innermost desire. So I would become what their desires were and then so that I could be loved. And then in the end, it, I just felt more alone than ever. And so I thought, well, who am I really? Like, how? who am I inside? What, what are my true authentic desires? And um, I realized that I didn't know. I really had no idea because I had been... I had just internalized everyone else so deeply. And it was a lonely experience when I first 
woke up, I guess you could say. And, and, and for me, it wasn't, I feel like I've been awake my whole life, but I feel like it, what I would call waking up was just me coming out, sort of coming out of the closet in every way. And, um, and just being authentic with the fact that I, most of what I've just gone along with, I didn't actually really believe, including my upbringing in religion. And I just finally had to just be honest. And I knew if I'm not honest, that whole saying the truth will set you free is so true, even though it was painful because I did lose friends. And, um, and it was uncomfortable for people for a long time to see me doing and for a lot of people just like what are you doing like what what are you talking about why aren't you doing normal stuff what are you doing and um it was it was really interesting because it it was like wow I really have hidden this for so long so deeply inside of me but yet the people who 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 truly did love me and know me not only stood by me but were like yes yes it's so powerful to finally see you step into who you are and just say your truth and be authentic, even if to everyone else in the world, it's weird or stupid or heretical, or, I mean, I've literally had run the gamut in not just with friends, but with family and strangers. It's amazing. Um, it's amazing what you get projected back to you when you first stop, start stepping into your truth. And it, and I realized on some level I had agreed to those things. That's why I kept it in. And so I had to had to realize I don't agree with those things. I have to be true to who I am. And the truth of the matter is, the crux of it all, I just didn't want to participate in the what I call matrix, the program that I had been participating in. And when I really got down to the bottom of it, it was essentially a core belief in lack mm -hmm. that I wasn't enough that there's not enough and not enough love, not enough resources, not enough. And so you have to, you have to, only certain people can be worthy of love, only certain people can receive. And so you have to prove your worth. And I was so deeply, deeply in that game. And I think part of that was because I, my father was really deeply entrenched in that. And he, he put that very strongly on all of us, this, all of his children, this sense of um, conditional love and he didn't mean to he didn't mean to he just it just was how he was raised and um, and just the culture I grew up in and everything it would just so it just deeply embedded the belief in me that I had to earn um, my worth I had to prove I was worthy of love mm. and there were so many things that happened in my childhood that really hurt me on such a deep, deep level and I truly believe that maybe the universe was, maybe I was just bad at my core and um, maybe I wasn't worthy of love. And maybe that's why my mom had died and I had been sexually abused and, and just different things that had happened. I, I realized as I started really coming into who I was and stepping into the deeper truth that I had always known, always, 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 like spirit has never left me. Um, it was just the difference was I was finally saying, no, I believe that inner voice in me over this program mm. that I've been that I've been programmed with. I choose to delete that program. I no longer am going to believe that anymore. I have to break up with it. I'm not going to believe what, what I felt like my dad told me. I'm not going to believe messages that I got from being sexually abused. I'm not going to believe the messages I received from my culture about worthiness. Um, I, 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 I know that it's not true. And so stepping into that, 
as as I've been doing that more and more and more, and it's not like I never had, I just, even when I was Christian, I, I was very much alive inside, but, but I still succumbed to the Christian world and the Christian culture. And I realized that like I was still stuck in that for the same exact reasons I, I felt trapped in any other reality in the world is because unless you say certain words and agree to certain things, you're not, you're not accepted. And, mm-hmm. and I realized even in that, when I came out, you know, in my Christian friends in the sense of like, I don't, at a core level, I don't believe exactly what you believe. And it was like, okay, well then we have nothing to relate on anymore. Mm-hmm. And so all that to say, lack to me is a belief in conditional love and a belief that there's not enough. And I, re- I, I think as simple as it gets, that is as simple as it gets when it comes to my truth, the truth that has been setting me free versus the truth, the, the program that enslaved me most of my life. And as I've been stepping out more and more and more and more and getting more comfortable and more um, secure in what I believe and realizing that I'm not, you know, that yes, I did lose some friends and yes, it did cause some, some intensity for a while. Overall, it's actually set me free and not only me, but members in my family have followed as well. And so um, that's sort of been, I don't know if I went too far with that, but that that's, never that's know. kind of the journey and, and, in terms of how it's been, it's been such a deep emotional one mm-hmm. for me. And I've always been really sensitive and emotional. And so it, um, it hasn't, I don't, I don't really honestly feel like it's been easy, but mm-hmm. I, but it's definitely been worth the freedom that has come through just saying, no, I, I just absolutely on every level cannot function anymore in that reality. And I won't. Yeah, you're singing you're singing our songs. <laughs> yeah, I relate to so much of that. I remember the you know when you're talking about really feeling almost disowned from yourself, disowned from absolutely everything. And I remember going to counseling one time and saying to the counselor, "I feel like I speak a different language than everyone else in the world." Mm-hmm. And the counselor said to me, "Well, you do because you're you're really like the way she the, the metaphor she gave me was you're, you know, there's like a bell curve of how people kind of behave and experience this life. And you're like way off the bell. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. your experience is really different than most people's. And I was mm-hmm. like, I don't know if that's a compliment or a condemnation. <laughs> right. Depends on who's saying it and what their intention is, I guess. <laughs> I could feel, well, I could feel it inside myself, but one part of me saying that's a compliment another one saying that's a condemnation because <laughs> yep. exactly. And not knowing who, you know, that, that just that feeling of abandonment and alone because you, when as an empath or as a really sensitive person and you're placing your focus upon outside of yourself. And so you literally have abandoned yourself and you're the only one who can actually be there for yourself. That's, exactly. who, you're, that's who you're missing. Yep. And so now that's you what have, I realized. Yes. More than anything, I would say that what I realized is that by what I had done most of my life is bypass my needs. Mm. I felt like if I could make everyone around me happy and I would feel good because I could feel everyone and I could feel, and, and I'm the youngest of a lot of kids. So I, I could feel my siblings and, and there was a lot of trauma and a, and a lot of pain. And so I just, I could, I just always, I remember even from the time I was very little, just wanting to soothe the situation, mm-hmm. just wanting to, to, um, you know, just, 
that soothing and find out, okay, who, how can I shift the dynamics to be more harmonic? And when you do that your whole life and it's a survival mechanism and it becomes perpetual, it becomes automatic. And so it, it's, it, it's not that that's wrong, but when you bypass yourself, it, it got to the point when I first started just tuning back into me, I was just stunned at how long it took me to get to what my true desires were or what my true thoughts were or my true emotions, my authentic. I was like, I didn't I never considered myself an inauthentic person, mm-hmm. but I thought, wow, it's I, I didn't even realize I was inauthentic because I just program myself to meet everyone else's needs. It's like and, you become so small inside yourself. When you first start, yeah. like when I first started tuning in, it's almost like I had to take a microscope to be like, where is she? Who is she? Mm-hmm. Like so exactly. like a, I'm a little baby inside my experience. Yep. Yeah. That's such a perfect, that's such a perfect analogy of it. But you exactly just, how it feels. you just stay there and, and you'll find that that BB shows up <laughs> and you can yep. find her and, and, you know, it's so miraculous. The The causal plane is so miraculous. You place your awareness there and it, it grows exponentially. And, you know, it's it's much easier than trying to create some, you know, create a baby or something like that, a physical <laughs> being. You know, exactly. we, we can find who we truly are by just that that beautiful subtlety of intention. I have to, I have to tell you something. I'm also the youngest of a fair amount of kids. I have three and a half older sisters there. So there are four and a half of us, a a lot of trauma and abuse. My father was uh, an alcoholic and beat my mother. And then, then there was, after we left my father, there was this narcissist that was my father figure. And, um, so I, again, it's, and also I, I came up in Christianity very, I was very, very much into fundamentalist evangelical Christianity that because I was a, you know, I'm a very spiritual, I'm a spiritual seeker from day mm-hmm. one. And that was the only paradigm that was offered me. And I did have a lot of spiritual growth, a lot. And I was connected with my inner being. But then mm-hmm. there's all that dogma and there are all the limitations. And it just became exactly. a matrix that was too small for me. So I had to leave it. And that was scary, yes. right? How scary was that? Oh, yeah. Really scary. Because same for me, I, I've always felt like Jesus has been and still is my main guide yeah. and and not just guide, but I, I feel like especially as an empath, like I think he was the ultimate empath Mm -hmm. and, um, and just such an example of what it is to overcome a program. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I, the same thing, it got to the point where I just felt like Christianity was too small. And I went on a mission. I went, I I spent like a time in Italy on a mission trip with a huge Christian uh, organization. And so I was, I was pretty deeply involved. Mm -hmm. And so it was hard for people when I came out, it was really hard for them to see me as sort of leader in that space and then shift out of it. But it it came down to, it's too small. Like Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm growing and this is, I feel like even having, even saying I'm a Christian, mm-hmm. which technically speaking, you could probably say technically I am because I, right. I actually literally believe that Jesus died and was raised from the dead. Mm. So but I don't, I, I don't even like the word Christian because as soon as you say it, Hey, Jesus wasn't a Christian, nor were his disciples. <laughs> right. That wasn't a word that they used. That was a word that people called them. And so um, but it, it now the word Christian is so associated with with system. Mm-hmm. And that system was born in lack. Mm-hmm. And it's not the way. It was a pointer of the way, but it's not the way. And you have so many people so entrenched in that system that they can't they can't wake up because waking up means 
taking full responsibility Mm -hmm. and seeing and and actually seeing the whole picture. And Jesus said, you'll do, you'll do even greater things Mm -hmm. than I did. But, and I felt like in the Christian world, when I was in it to say something like that would be blasphemous. Absolutely. Well, Um, I know, right. To literally quote, (laughs) not only that, something that, you know, when we talk about, you know, yeah, sure. You and I are healers, but Jesus never claimed to even be a healer in in the, and you know, of course I don't, I don't believe that the book of the Bible that we have right now is infallible. That is ludicrous because I can literally tear out three chapters and hand it to you. And it doesn't defy the law of physics and self heal. You know what I mean? Like that's, (laughs) that's just logical, but there is some gold in there. And you know, when the, when the woman touched the hem of his garment and he felt energy leave him and he turned to her and said, daughter, you healed yourself. He didn't say I healed Mm -hmm. you. He said, you healed yourself. You're all Mm -hmm. gods. And So I agree. And also this word Christian or the modern Christian church is something that was created by system about 300 years after Jesus was off of this planet. And it was calculated by Constantine. And this Bible that we have now was calculated and translated so that we could take out certain truths as a man, as a, as a way to actually control the masses because, and so, you know, in a way, like it's not, maybe there was a, there was a bit of, you could say on the bright side, maybe there was a bit of responsibility there that they were trying to say, Hey, these people need help. And so we need to give them something, but ultimately it was asking them to place their sovereignty without just exactly what we're talking about. It's what we did. Yep. How's she feeling? How's she feeling? How's she feeling? Yep. We forget how to ask how she is feeling. The, <laughs> the first <Yep>. she, <laughs> Exactly. It's serving, it's serving the system, letting Mm -hmm. the system be your master, Mm -hmm. other than like letting your heart be your master. So yeah, and I remember growing up, because I grew up in Utah, and um, my family was Mormon for a while, but I was never baptized Mormon, because my mom left when I was before I was eight, and you get baptized when you're eight. Um, But my dad was fundamentalist more he he was it's a kind of a long story but my parents were polygamists mm-hmm. and um, when my mom came out came out of it and divorced my dad I was really young but my dad was really in the church he was one of the 12 apostles of, of this break-off church from the wow. LDS church and um my uncle came into town to kind of help my mom get away from him and he's the one that introduced her to like Christianity, you know, like kind of born again Christian sort of idea. And so I mainly grew up in that. Mm-hmm. But I would, I grew up watching my uncle and my dad literally screaming in each other's faces over who had the truth. You know, my dad saying Mormonism is the only truth, and my uncle saying Christianity is the only truth. And I remember as a child watching it and thinking, "You're both assholes." Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, but neither I, of like, you, either one of you, I, Jesus would not do any of this. <laughs> That's what I thought. I remember thinking like neither one of you are following Christ right now. And it's and it's just you're bringing war to the family. And I saw it from the time I was very young. I I never I'm so sensitive to that type of arguing over who has the truth. Like I have no tolerance for it because of how I grew up. And um, even as a kid, it started unwinding for me. I was just, I remember just being in Sunday school lessons and and thinking in my mind, that's not right. Mm. That's not, that's not right. Like, that's not what Jesus did. That's not what he said. And so it's just, my inner guidance was always telling me that 
like you said, there's great things in it. And, and I'm so grateful. I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't change anything about how I grew up. I wouldn't change anything about my experience in Christianity. But the best thing I ever did was drop the title of yes. Christian. I, I, that, that, that set me free. I agree. And I've, I've. it's interesting that we're talking about this. I didn't even expect that we would be talking about this. <laughs> but apparently it's what uh, it's what Jesus wanted. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Jarvis is also Jarvis is al- Jarvis is also an expat. He's an expatriate of the church, <laughs> so he, he's Perfect. with us. Um, so, but I, I I actually was just thinking about it last week, and feeling like, you know, I'm a Christian, and then I'd be like, no, because that word doesn't really mean what I mean when I say Christ consciousness and Jesus as a master guide for me is is my heart. You know what I mean? So yeah. the word just doesn't make sense. So yep. and and you know what? Early on in my sort of awakening, metaphysical opening, whatever process, and I had you know I left the church when I was about twenty or twenty one or something like that. And when I left, I sort of took with me, but I own. I own everything that was real about it. And so I would still pray sometimes in the same language because it, it worked for me. And in a way, it's like now the way that I meditate, there are certain things that I do that cue me to be in connection. You know, it's a kind of energy treating on, upon the self. And I, but I kind of like left it. And then and then I started to adhere to this paradigm or this this matrix, basically, of, of beliefs about how any anything that is spiritual overtly is a crutch you know and mm-hmm. so i definitely put a lot of that away anything that was the gold that i may have gotten from christ consciousness and so when i was coming back to the fullness of who i am and what and it doesn't matter what someone else thinks it's all about who i am and what how i experience the spiritual side of myself and i had a vision in, in meditation jesus of jesus he came to me and he said there's no wrong way to love me. And I'm going to cry right now um, because then it kind of echoed also. And it was, there's no wrong way to love. There's no wrong way to love. Mm-hmm. It's uh, if you, When love is the goal or like seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, which is basically unconditional love, then all of these things will be added unto you. And there's no wrong way to get there. And there's no yep. wrong manner to do it. There's no wrong method of loving. Yep. When it's true, because love. there's only there's only that there's the vibration of love, and that you can you can take any route to tune into that, but you can't fake it. You can't yeah. fake that actual vibration, you yeah. know. So whatever it takes to get you there, to open your heart up, to get to that space of unconditional love, it's going to be different in everyone's journey because we all have blocks and wounds in different ways, and so something that may work really well for someone else. May not, may not only not work for me, but be actually detrimental. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what you, working with empaths, when I work with empaths and, you know, sensitive people, highly sensitive people, because, you know, creative artists are also functioning in the empath kind of function. And these sensitive people, I tell them that you came in as an expert feeler and you've maintained this natural ability to be an expert feeler. So... As an expert feeler, it's really easy to feel absolutely anything. And the easiest thing to feel is love because it is the highest, biggest, smelliest, loudest, (laughs) brightest vibration. So you're safe no matter what. You can use that heart that is so tuned in to anything that it wants to. And all you have to do is tune into that simple frequency of love. And you actually, I would love for you to talk about the how 
evolution is really calling forth empaths and that the empath function is in high demand. I've heard yeah. you speak of this. Well, I really truly believe, you know, as a, a species evolves when it needs to, it's either going to die or it has to develop something to continue on. And consciousness evolves and we know that and it expands. Just look at, you know, where we are now compared to where we were even 30 years ago and a hundred years ago, especially people like you and me were being still being killed. Mm -hmm. And so there's when I, I believe that what's happened at a deep level is that our in our recorded history in the last 2000 years or so, we first of all, we don't have the full picture of what's actually happened. So we pretty much have the stories and the program of war. Humanity has been at war with itself, mm -hmm. period. And Jesus came in at a very crucial time to show one of the most important messages, which is the only way to overcome war is through love. You have to love your enemy. Mm -hmm. Because if we keep playing this eye for an eye game, we're going to destroy ourselves. Mm -hmm. Because we're the same. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm you and you're me. And so the reason I believe that the reason why humans at that time couldn't really access the knowledge of our connectedness is because from a consciousness perspective, they really weren't as finely tuned to the heart because mm -hmm. the heart was broken. Mm -hmm. The heart had been completely shattered, the human heart. And so the heart's been slowly pulling itself back to itself, its wholeness. The heart will always seek to be restored because we cannot, we will not function. We are, we are only functioning subpar without our hearts, without our fully restored hearts. And that's why I think it's crucial that one of the very first public things Christ ever said was, was when he read from the scroll of Isaiah and he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has sent me or anointed me to heal the brokenhearted, set mm. the captives free, release from prison those who sit in darkness. In other words, heal the heart. Yes. It's time that we heal the trauma that's happened. And so that's when it sort of first began. And since then, we've been having empaths incarnate. Jesus, I don't know that Jesus was the first, but just one of the <laughs> ones that we know in our recorded history. Sure. Um, empaths coming in to restore the heart because the wound has to be witnessed. Mm. And I think it's it, when we don't understand what we are, how we function, it's so confusing. It's just like, why do I feel everything? It seems like it'd be so much easier if I could just turn it off and go on, you know, just do what everyone else does, just sort of ignore the wound. But as an empath, you can't. Mm -hmm. And by very nature that you can't ignore the wound means that your whole soul purpose starts orienting around that. Because, you know, if I'm, if I'm going to function and thrive in this world, I have to care about my heart. And when I care by, about my heart, I'm caring about the heart of everyone because I'm feeling everyone. I'm connected to everyone. And so for me, when I decided, okay, I have to be true to my heart, I that process for me sets set me and so people free and continues to do so because um, the evolution part of it, like you said, is I think right now we have hit critical mass yes. in the sense that the world for this whole time in this recorded history that we have has been under the dominion or the program, you could say, in the matrix of lack has been deeply programmed, the mind has programmed that in there, that there is not enough, that, that we're limited, that there's only this life. There's no concept of um, eternity, of infinity, of infinite, our infinite potential. And things like the computer 
And our technology that we have has started to help the brain, the mind see, oh, wait, there is another reality. There mm -hmm. is an unseen reality. We can connect to people across the planet in an instant. Mm -hmm. That's all a reflection of what we are and what esoterics have been talking about this whole time, what Jesus talked about. But without the technology, the mind could kind of scoff at the heart and be like, oh, ha, 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 you stupid people that believe in an unseen world, you know. But now we know actually it's true. And it's hit critical mass in this mass in the sense that people are waking up in droves. It's unlike anything that's ever happened again in our recorded history. So, and I think more and more is going to be coming out about about our real history yes. and technology that we've had in the past. And so, the role that impacts play in that is that we we are an example of what it means when we tune into the heart, when we allow ourselves our finely tuned instruments to be finely tuned, in other words, not go with the lack programming, not go with the idea of numbing the heart, but actually tuning it on more, making tuning our sensitivities, sensitivities more, becoming more awake, we actually are that touch point for humanity. And we start lighting up that grid because the heart is more powerful than the mind. You, you've probably heard me talk about that a lot. I always talk about that. Yeah, say so it again, the, though. 5,000, <laughs> say that again. Yeah. <laughs> it, so the Institute of Heart Mass has, mm -hmm. is where you can look at this information. Mm -hmm. But um, they've proven that the heart is 5,000 times more magnetically powerful than the brain and 60 times more electrically powerful than the brain. Mm -hmm. And so, and also now that we have the concept of our electromagnetic field, we know that's the real thing. That is literally how we function in this matrix that we are emitting energy and we're magnetizing energy to us and when we do it from the heart when we're coming from the heart literally we're 5,000 times more powerful in our in our magnetism and 60 times more powerful in the way we emit our energy so I love that picture that you have up of the Freudial field because that's how our real internet works mm -hmm. right there that's what we're programming with our thoughts and our emotions and that's what we're then reflecting our reality back to us and so I truly believe that being an empath is tuning into our real technology. And the more of us that do it, the more we're going to see how our technology actually works. And we don't, we don't, we won't need the systems. And that's why there's this stronghold on it because the systems just like church or the internet or any system that we set up to help us, if we believe we have to have it or we won't survive, that's when we go to war mm -hmm. because because people feel their whole livelihoods are on it. Like our identities are so wrapped up in whether you're a pastor of a Christian church or whether you're a, a marketing designer for websites. <laughs> so, you know, the new technology would be, we're really shifting out of, we're not going to need websites. We're not going to need that to connect, connect with our audience because we can do that instantly through our signal that we send out in our electromagnetic field. And that's of course a little further down the road, but it's, I think the shift right now that it is so important that we all start realizing we're shifting and it's way bigger than we think and leave room for an exit plan in all of our systems, not make ourselves too dependent on our systems mm -hmm. and not even make any of our identities too dependent on the system. You know what I mean? Like even Absolutely. our jobs or whatever. Right. And, you know, Jarvis heard me talk, y'all heard, everyone's heard me talk about this a lot too. I completely agree. The What's interesting about our technology is that we created it to remind ourselves that we are that, you know, yes. it's kind of ludicrous to think, well, telepathy isn't possible, yet we can communicate just an instant in an instant by sending an email or you know a vocal voice message we created that tool 
You know, we, exactly. we actually, so we are the Lord of it. So then exactly. obviously we can do that without the tool. And mm-hmm. this is something I always talk about too, is like you're saying being dependent upon the system. I always say that all of these things are a tool and we're supposed to use tools and then put them down. Yeah. But when we have the tool use us is when we become sick. And you say yeah. that's when we hit war. Much like our empathic abilities, our empathic abilities we're supposed to be using, but without the understanding of how they function, then they become, they use us. And it is exactly like having an autoimmune disease of the emotional body. When the body has an autoimmune disease, the immune system attacks itself. And that's what empaths need to understand that we use our empathic abilities. And something else is interesting I'm thinking about is the insidiousness of how the matrix, the the lack matrix, would tell us that we shouldn't be extending compassion to ourselves, but because compassion, self compassion, is confused with something like self pity. Self pity, mm-hmm. and there's a distinction there. Actually, it was just last week Archangel Raphael told me there is a distinction between self pity and self compassion. In self pity, we don't take responsibility for ourselves; we're victim oriented. Self compassion is taking responsibility and loving ourselves through it, loving ourselves through the healing standing witness to that wound that you're talking about yes well because at the end of the day this is what i've realized if i abandon myself then i that's it like we we cannot abandon ourselves we are we are the steward of our experience here and we are witnessing it the part of us that has witnessed our whole life that, that that higher self that is there for us for a reason. We are meant to be witnessed and it is the most intimate relationship that we can have. Mm. And if we witness ourselves and then abandon ourselves, that is just causing more of that wound because mm-hmm. the only way to actually heal through our technology is through through love. Love is the only way to heal. And I think the reason why we abandon ourselves when we look back at what we've done and what we've been, because the closer we get to the heart, the more we're going to feel how much it hurt to be separated. Mm-hmm. And we're going to see and have to take responsibility for what we've created as we've been separate from the heart war and we've enslaved people. And, and this is humanity as a whole. And we've all been born into it. We've all been programmed into it. We've all participated in it. And so we have to find a space of compassion and love. And it has to start with us, with our own selves. And you, you talk about that it's so important for us to unplug to unplug at times and you know simple acts would you say i mean how, what is your advice on that those simple acts can help you just to orient or do even then more grand acts of unplugging like you say not being dependent upon it how do you counsel people to take steps toward that well the first thing is to get really oriented with the voice inside that is coming from your higher self like coming from the source of love mm-hmm. versus a voice of lack because we are so deeply programmed with the mind. So we're in the mind is all about survival and therefore it's motivation is fear. It wants to survive and it doesn't want to move towards anything that's fearful. And so it's, it's decisions are made in fear, but when we can get really clear about the, the voice of abundance, the voice of love, that's a source, that infinite source of where we came from, vo- the motivation and the navigation the guidance we get is much different. Mm. And so First and foremost is just getting really in touch with that inner voice. And to me, unplugging means I think it's important for people to unplug from anything they feel extremely dependent on, Mm -hmm. even if it's church, Mm -hmm. even if it's therapy, even if it's 
whatever it is, even if it's things that are actually good for you, just taking time, even if it's your friends that you're really close to, if you have, if you're one of those people that always need to be with someone, unplugging, this means getting alone with your heart and getting clear. And what I like to remind people to do is tune into their heart and even just putting your hand on your heart as a way of like, every time I do it, I'm like, Oh yeah, I have a body. <laughs> you know, like, cause I can so be up here all the time. And it's like, my body's vulnerable my body has has needs and and my body feels scared sometimes and there's reasons for that because i have dna that carries memory and there's deep trauma and i've been through trauma myself and so sometimes just tuning in i remember wow like i'm vulnerable Mm. i'm not invincible and i think when we get so deeply in the mind and proving our worth and 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 avoiding or evading things that may cause us not to survive we forget this just this mm-hmm. connection with first and foremost, we're the stewards of this body. And this is our, and we are meant to, to govern it well and love it well. And, um, and so unplugging in that way just means just unplugging from anything that distracts you from you, mm-hmm. from your heart, from what's going on within you, because anxiety and fear and all those things that a lot of us feel right now, because there's a lot of shifting, it needs to just be soothed. Mm-hmm. Ignoring it is not the answer. And I think that's one of the issues with a lot of the teaching in the spiritual movement when it comes to like being positive all the time. There can be this bypassing mm-hmm. of, of our actual needs, which is just as detrimental as 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 putting yourself in harm's way. You know, it's 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 in other words, it's not about being positive. Being spiritual is not about being positive. It's about being aware and it's about being authentic. Mm-hmm. And so when you can witness how you truly authentically feel without judgment, and, and, and be honest about your vulnerabilities, that soothes the electromagnetic field and it causes there to be trust and intimacy with you, your body, and your internal voice. And there needs to be that intimacy. Mm. And usually when we're, when we're separated from our hearts, really we're in self-conflict. There's always this inner war going on because we're at such a deep level just not accepting what we are, which is human and therefore vulnerable, mm. you know? Vulnerability is the gateway it's the pathway to transparency to authenticity because vulnerable it it just is it's just the catalyst or it's the switch over to it and being vulnerable being authentic in that way being vulnerable which switches you into authenticity that in itself activating that frequency just like anything else like self-abandonment is just activating abandonment and that's what you're Mm -hmm. offering the field then so being vulnerable and a true witness without judgment without condition is healing not just yourself but it is activating the frequency of healing and it is being the change you want to see in the world it is then triggering people it is people come into your experience again and they're sharing a frequency with you that's how the law of attraction works and they are now they are now in the energy or the frequency of actually being vulnerable and feeling who they are and i think that that's sometimes like you were saying at the early part of your journey and it would it would frighten people because they come into your space where you're starting to feel who you are and then it, it causes them to start to reach and then they feel scared because they don't they, they're grasping and they don't feel it they don't know yep. and and so that's why they reject it 
because they, mm-hmm. they they haven't made the decision to reach inside. So then when they're in the frequency of you reaching inside, then they get scared. And they're like, but but wait, I've been trusting on reaching without. And that's that's where the safety is. That's what, you know, who the president is and who, you know what I mean? Like what kind of laws are in place? That's safety. And I have to fight about that and, and put all of my energy in that because that is the big daddy that is going to take care of me, not me. Yep. And daddy, ta- yep. daddy lets us down, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I think there's, there's that saying that people, I think it was Benjamin Franklin that said it. I can't remember actually who said this quote, but it's one of my favorite ones because it said anyone, who, oh, I'm kind of paraphrasing, but anyone who will give up their freedom for security will lose both and deserves neither. Yes, that's true. We can't, we can't, we can't truly be free and put our trust in something outside of us and just go on autopilot, go to sleep. That's appealing and comfortable if you don't want to have to take responsibility for the human experience, you know, for the, for, for your emotional field for and being honest about what you're creating. Because so often when we just ignore what we feel, Oh, I love that you found the quote. It was Benjamin. Oh. <laughs> Jarvis is good like that. <laughs> I love that. Um, when we often, when we just ig- ignore how we feel and we're not honest about it, we just are in denial. But those things still there, and they go subconscious, mm-hmm. and that's how our shadows created. And mm-hmm. it is creating and doing things all the time. And that's the biggest thing I think. A lot of empaths, when I work with them, when they're first waking up they're shocked to realize how much darkness they have inside of them mm-hmm. because they've so identified with being a light worker and being a good person and being the sensitive one. But they also have just neglected and, and suppressed so much of their true authentic feelings, especially the ones that don't feel good to feel like mm-hmm. when you have negative emotions towards somebody and we're not meant to identify with our emotions they're just messengers Mm -hmm. and so part of all of this is just understanding how emotions work and what their function is not identifying with them like that's me if I'm sad right now then I'm I mean I am sadness Mm -hmm. you know emotions are just a vibration they're just a state of being and they're meant to help our vibration heal they're they're meant to show us the reason why we feel emotions is because the only way we can discern where we are in relation to where we want to be the mind can't do that. The mind doesn't have the ability to discern without feeling because it can only rely on the past, mm-hmm. on knowledge from the past. But the heart can discern. Mm-hmm. And the only way to really discern is to feel. Feel and then think about how you feel mm-hmm. and determine and discern where you are in relation to where you want to be. I'm, so we I, have to know how to do that, how to read emotions. Yes, I am not my emotions, but they are mine. This is an exactly. affirmation that actually came through the other day while I was in session. Yes, I am not my emotions, but they are mine. And they're because they are messengers and they are important messengers. Mm-hmm. And th- this exactly. is something I think that sensitive people, people that are healing, that when they're kind of heading in or when they're let's say they're avoiding some healing it's because they're afraid to feel emotions as the emotions that are in that shadow or you know from past trauma because the belief is put it away because then we're going to experience it again we're going to we're going to become injured by feeling those emotions but the fact is you have them all you're already at a state of injury so you've already Mm -hmm. stored all of that stuff away so we're not going to go in and like you know you know, have the sexual trauma again, it already happened and you're holding it. So we want to shine that light on it, you know, that shadow, and then we release it 
And and I get it because there is some kinds of counseling and talk therapy and all that kind of stuff, depending on the practitioner, depending on the actual, you know, doctor or whomever who do ask people to wallow and re-injure themselves and wallow and wallow and wallow in it rather than just moving through it, listening to it with compassion. Right. And I think the key to letting it go is changing the programming Mm. because a lot of how we, I can't speak for everyone, but for the example with sexual abuse, a lot of the emotions cause you to trigger beliefs about yourself that are really negative. And that's actually what's painful. It's the belief we're having about the, about the experience or about the emotion is, is what hurts versus the emotion itself. And so by allowing ourselves to truly feel it and get like really think, Hey, what is it that I'm feeling? Okay. It's shame. Why do I feel shame? And when you go into it, it's because of a belief often that we've agreed with at some point mm-hmm. that I'm not enough, mm-hmm. that I did something wrong, that I'm a bad, that I'm bad, that I'm unworthy of love. And so when we can go in and feel it, it's like not only witnessing the wound and witnessing what actually happened in that moment, but the transference of belief, the moment that seed of darkness, so to speak, was implanted was when I believed, yes, I am unworthy of love yes, I'm a bad person. And that seed of darkness had to be pulled out. And I had to replant the belief that I'm worthy of love. And the interesting thing is, is um, specifically the being worthy of love thing has been something I ever since my mom died that really, Mm. I I just struggled with at such a deep level, just feeling unworthy of love. And I remember um, one time I was praying and I was just crying because I just had felt so alone, so alone. And um, I I heard the, the voice of, of, of God, I guess, in my mind say, why do you think your name's Amanda? Mm. And I thought about it for a second. And the name Amanda means worthy of love. That's literally what the name means. Wow. And and I heard him say, I wanted your mind to know, even if you consciously don't know, every time that someone says your name, mm. the universe is reminding you and speaking out, out loud, affirming that you're worthy of love. And I, and I just was like, wow, that it, it's so powerful. I, I'd never really put that association together. I knew what my name meant, but I didn't. It's like literally my name is key to my healing. Wow. And your mother gave that to you. Well, yes, your father, exactly. I guess, possibly too, but your mother definitely did. And she gave that to you. And from that soul level or higher self level, knowing that that was what was going to sustain you when she was no longer physically here. And that's incredible. Yeah. Jarvis and I are both crying, just so you know. <laughs> oh. yeah. yeah, I have had moments, a few moments like that. One other one that I'll share is when I was in Italy. And it's actually, Italy is what I went um, on a, a mission trip. And I was there for almost a year. And it was the first time I'd ever been away from Utah, away from my life. It was the furthest away I'd ever been from my family. And um, that's when my that's when I started healing. That's when all the pain started coming up. That's actually when I when I first told anyone about the sexual abuse that had happened. Mm-hmm. No one knew. I had never told anyone. It was a family friend. And um, in Italy is when it started coming out. And I thought, I thought, what is wrong with me? Because I'm supposed to be here, like preaching God's word, and I'm falling apart inside, and I, I can't even. And I missed my mom so much. I had never really grieved her death because after she died, I moved in with my dad, and he sort of was very anti-therapy or anything, and just never mentioned her. Never, never asked me how I was. Never said a word. So I just thought something was wrong with me because I. I wasn't okay, and I didn't know how to be okay. And um, so when I was in Italy, it was like 
something about that space just let me let it out. And I just remember starting to cry and I cried and cried and cried and cried and I would just cry all the time. And, it was, and I felt it felt amazing in a way, but I couldn't even understand it. I felt like I had no, no hold on myself. And one night I had had a nightmare about the sexual abuse and I woke up and I was sobbing and I just said out loud, like, God, I miss my mom. I want my mom. Yeah. And I heard that audible voice in my head say, open the Bible. Mm. And I just was like, okay, I, I just happened to have one right next to me. And I flipped it open just randomly. And it happened to land in this verse in Isaiah. And literally the words popped off the page. It was, And it said, as a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you. And I remember just thinking, like, it was the first time that I had ever realized that God could be like a mother. Mm. And because, you know, when you're raised in Christianity, you only ever hear him as a father. And I I never knew my father when I was younger. I mean, I knew him, but he wasn't, I wasn't close with him at all. And so, and then when my mom died, it was just, we never had a relationship. It was just awful. So I, I just never, couldn't comprehend God as couldn't comprehend a father that loved me. So when that moment happened where I felt like God said, as a mother comforts her child, and it was literally, I said, God, I want my mom. Mm -hmm. And I felt like God was saying, I am your mom mom. (laughs) and I am holding you. And and the verse goes on to say how like I will hold you at my breast and, and it nurture. It just was the most beautiful verse. And I remember just, that was one of the first times that I had ever really felt like, wow, like, I am loved. I am intimately loved. And it's not because of anything I've done or Mm. because I'm worthy of it or not. I just am. You just are. Yes, I am. Yes. (laughs) Well, we are out of time. Jarvis is officially crying, officially sobbing. (laughs) I'm not even kidding. He's not on camera. (laughs) But um, and I am I am trying to hold it together, too. But I that authenticity, that vulnerability that you're sharing with the world this is why you, this is evidence, this is witness to the fact that you are an oracle and all of us have this power in that beautiful heart that we all have. That is the frequency that we own. So Amanda Flaker, this has been so amazing, but can you let people know how they can get in touch with you? And, um, you know, thank you so much. I would love to have you back because this is so powerful. Yeah, this has been really fun. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Um, so people, I have a YouTube channel. You can find me on YouTube if you just Google Amanda Flaker. I talk a lot um, about all my stuff. That's a great picture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but I also have my website is AbundanceMatrix.org, and that kind of goes into the essence and the essentials of it all. And the main point is make a conscious decision to break up with lack and choose mm-hmm. abundance because we're the ones programming this matrix not meant to be our master. Amen. And I, we are officially out of time, but I feel uh, called to just say a prayer in this moment together. If um, you, you guys would join me, just extending so much gratitude and appreciation for the time that we are spent together this day. Thank you so much for the ability to feel our own hearts and to know our own light because it is the light of God. And we say thank you and amen. Amen. Thank you. I've loved it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Amanda Flaker. And again, I do hope that maybe we can do this again sometime. Let's do it. I would love to. I feel like we could talk about so many different things. I know, like for hours and hours. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, and thank you everyone for joining us today on Charmed Life. I will see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. I love you, whoever you are. (laughs) 